0: I was actually looking for this story that I'm sharing tonight, and I didn't know how to find it, um, and by Divine Providence, this story was printed in this month's Their Hair magazine, and they really did a really amazing job in researching this famous story, which was previously scattered in bits and pieces through different memoirs and, and uh, presented the story in a real cohesive way. After um, World War II, there was a great question that the Hasidim who were living in Russia had. During the war, the KGB and the Soviet regime was a little lighter on the activities of the Hasidim. They were allowed, they were more or less, they weren't cracking down on them so much with their observance of Torah mitzis. And the question was whether they should stay or they should leave after the war was over. At that time, uh, three of the most powerful uh, men in the world, President Truman and Winston Churchill and uh, Stalin, had a meeting. At the meeting, one of the things that they agreed on was that all of the Polish citizens that had fled to Russia during the war would be allowed to return from Russia to Poland. And this was really a golden opportunity for the Jews who were living in Russia because if they could now take a passport of a, of a Polish passport and they could use a Polish passport to escape from Russia because as long as they presented as they were a Polish citizen, were Polish citizens were allowed to leave from Russia back to back to Poland, and they weren't sure whether or not they should do this. And they asked the previous Rebbe, the first one to ask was Rabbi Yom Kirdetsky, who received a response in the previous Rebbe on the 8th of Tevis in 1946, and the Friedrich Rebbe said that they should wait until things clear up, so they should know whether this is a good idea or not, because of course there was a great risk to present yourself as a with a false passport the crime is a huge crime and it could lead to imprisonment or worse. So we asked the previous, the previous episode to wait and the way it worked in those days was when the previous episode gave a response in New York where he was at the time, the response was given by code from person to person until it reached the whoever it was that got the answer back in Russia. So, so the way the code was finally presented to the who were then living in Russia was grandfather, which was a code for the previous Rebbe, grandfather says they should stay. And then another message came a little while later, also in code, which said, It's not good to live in a place which doesn't have domestic harmony, doesn't have shalom bias. It's better to stay in a place which has shalom bias, which has peace at home. This was a code. The previous Rebbe was referring to was, it's better to stay in Russia than to go to Poland because the rampant anti-Semitism in Poland made it difficult for Jews following World War II to consider living in Poland, and so the, therefore the previous sebe was of the opinion they told the Hasidim they should better stay instead, instead in uh, Russia, not try to not to go to try not to try to go to Poland, Abiyam Kudetsky, he found that he would be able to travel through Poland to other countries, he wouldn't be stuck in Poland. And other Hasin also asked the previous Rebbe, individually, if, about, based upon their circumstances, whether or not they should try to travel through Poland to go to other countries, and the general response was that they could travel to Poland, except for families with small children should not try. Rabbi Yomar he managed to escape from Russia and arrive in Poland, and he, looking at the circumstances that he had, he thought this was something that other Hasidim should try as well, and he sent a message to the previous Rebbe, and the previous Rebbe sent an urgent telegram, which said that he approved of his plan. So now the message went far and wide to the Hasidim, and they should try to all leave Russia, Now's the time to leave. That was the answer to their question. Time to go. So a city that became very um, instrumental in their efforts to leave Russia was, was the city of Lvov. Lvov originally was on the border of Poland and Stalin had decided to keep Lvov after World War II, but he allowed all the citizens of Lvov wanted to leave Russia to go back to go deeper into to leave what was now which was which was previously Poland and now Russia to leave Lvov and to go back into into Poland. So a lot of the Hasidmat didn't really want to, um, they didn't speak Polish, so it was really hard to mask themselves as Polish citizens without knowing a word of Polish. So being in a place where there were a lot of, um, a lot of immigration, being on, on trains with a, with a lot of Polish citizens and smuggling among Polish citizens made things a little bit easier than trying to go uh, by themselves. So a lot of converged upon Lvov. And at that time, there was a uh, law that was instituted in Lvov. The, the law was that any person that arrived in Lvov had to present his papers to the authorities within 24 hours of arriving in Lvov. Rabbi, Rabbi Leibel said that his earliest memories as a child was traveling from uh, house to house as a child, knowing that you, you, because if you would stay at someone's house, so they could be accused uh, by the authorities of housing people who were illegal. So it was legal to, to stay for twenty four hours as long as they weren't there for twenty four hours. So then they could stay somewhere. So they're constantly moving from house to house. Without staying more than twenty four hours, so as not to endanger, uh, not to endanger their hosts, and it wasn't so easy to to hide who they were because they all were, had beards, and they were constantly living in fear, expecting, you know, any knock on the door it might be a knock from the from the KGB. So, at first, the, each chassid was trying to escape from Russia individually, but eventually, there was such a large group of chassidim trying to leave at once that they made a committee on this committee with the legendary Hasidim, Reb Mendel Futafaz, and Reb Shmerel Shmer Sassonkin, and Reb Kagan, and uh, they really suffered for their efforts. Reb Yerna Kagan, uh, he was killed in prison, and so was the famous Mumasar Katsanelunbegin, who was a, uh, a secret, uh, she was a tzidekis. she was a tzedekes who did many, many things then uh, she, saved, she saved thousands of lives. Besides saving lives, she personally, her service of Hashem was was on a different level. I know um, that the Rebbe once sent a message to her uh, asking her if she needed any help with anything. Imagine, the Rebbe sending a message asking her if she needs help and you know what her response was? Oye in davenin. Help me with the thoughts I have in davening. I shouldn't be able to, be able to concentrate in davening. I shouldn't have thoughts which are not the way they're supposed to be. I think that she wore tzitzis, if I remember correctly. And so she was part of the group of Hasidim who was involved in making the false passports. Rabbi David Koch, Rab Zalman Mrs. Tsipa was the one who would present all of their documents to Ovir. Ovir was the Russian immigration uh, office and she was the liaison with this office. So... That, that so they sort of organized within Russia and also outside of Russia. They also tried to have people outside of Russia to help them and to help the those who had immigrated so that they should, they should settle and go on to the next country where they need to get to. So Reb Yitzhak Golden he was in Krakow and helped he helped those who immigrated to uh, to, to Krakow and Rabbi Shalom Mendel was in Prague and Prague was a key place to be because Prague was, had relations with. United States, and with Russia, and with Poland, and with Germany, and so it was a great, great place to talk from, to other countries. Rabbi Yaman Gerdetsky moved to Paris, and the previous Rebbe eventually appointed him to uh, be his uh, emissary that was responsible for Europe and North Africa. Rabbi Saul Jacobson was in the United States, and he would bring messages to the previous Rebbe with questions for the previous Rebbe. So over the summer months of nineteen forty-six, a steady stream of passports was obtained for all the Hasidim who wanted to um, leave Russia. They, they would bribe various KGB officials and guards and border uh, uh, officials to be able to leave. Among the people that was helped by Rebbetzin, by the, the her name was she was called Mumisara, the Aunt Sarah one of the people that was helped was the Rebbe's mother, Rebbe Senchana. Mrs. Yocheved Zamanam, her maiden name is Gorelick, her father was the previous Rebbe's emissary to Crimea. And she, as a child, she remembers how she went to the train station. There was a train that was waiting for them. It wasn't like today, you know, the trains go every certain hours. There was a train that was going to transport a group of people and they were sort of waiting for everyone to be ready. And Rabbi label Muchkin, who was, again, very involved in the efforts of helping these Hasidim leave Russia, he sees this uh, young Yecheved Gorelik at the train station. He asks her to go in a taxi back to bring a very important person to the train. Chana herself was unsure whether or not she should accept this illegal transport or not, whether she should um, feign to be a member of some Polish family, or perhaps she would be able to be allowed to leave Russia based upon the family reunification laws, she had relatives in other cities, other, so perhaps that would allow her to leave. she wasn't sure. But when she saw these children and she asked them who they were, and they told them that we are the, the children of the famous Chassid, the previous Abbasan emissary, to Crimea, Rabbi Chaim er she said, I will go with these children. That's what she said. So, uh, and as soon as they arrived in the train, Rabbi Ibn Watchkin, of course, found a place for Rabbi Sonchanan to, to sit. And uh, it was, it was, they were traveling in a freight train and they were sitting in, like sardines in, in, this, in this tight train. And it was free, they were freezing, it was really cold. And this uh, Yecheved uh, Zalmanov, and she remembers that her father told her to bring their, their family's blanket to Rebbe So She had to like climb over people under people to present the blanket to Rabbit San Khan. Rabbi said, "He soni, you revive me." And she said, "My child, You've enlivened me. May this merit remain with you in everything that you do. Rabbi Avram Korf, the rabbi's emissary to Florida, was also on this train, and he res- describes how when they got to the border, they were literally shaking with fear. On the um, uh, with them as well were my two great two of my great grandfathers, Rabbi Ramayor and Rabbi Sol Neveler. and they uh, Rabbi Ramayor, my great grandfather, uh, they're both my great grandparents and avram had a had a 2 liter bottle of, of vodka and he offered it to one of the the guards on the train and he takes a, he takes a he didn't want to take it but he pushed it on him take the bottle take take a drink he drank and but in, instead of uh, examining everyone's papers uh he went off the train and he told the other guy another officer there's 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 vodka over here so the other officer sort of came up to get some vodka too and then um they ordered everyone to go off the off the train off i'm sorry this was they already had gone from the train to a wagon and they could they, that's how they were able to see all the details of what had happened and they got off the uh the wagon and their documents were being examined so um <laughs> So one officer, they're were, they were both drunk. One officer says to the other, it's, 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 it's too late, just let, let them go, it's too late. And the, these Hasidim, of course, felt that it was in the merit of the Rebbe's mother that their lives were saved. So by Elul time, about 500 people had succeeded in leaving Russia to get to Poland. And the news kept on traveling that in the city of the Taz, that was the code that they used for the city of Lvov, Rabbi David Segal, the author of the Turizov on the code of Jewish law, he lived in Lvov, and so the Hasidimah called this, in the city of the Taz, it's possible to be helped. And so many, many people converged upon Lvov, and the problem was that so many people had already left Poland, left Russia to go back to Poland all of the citizens of Poland that had already left so it was harder to like a mix among a group that was going back to Poland there was a lot less people traveling at the time to go back to Poland based upon the rule this law that was, that allowed the uh, citizens of of Poland to return from Russia back to Poland there were a lot less less people that were interested in this in this uh, availability in 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 the um, in the, in the summertime of um, uh, of, of nineteen forty five was when the rule was first established and now there was seven hundred people trying to escape so when and the Hasidim had a general fund of thirty four thousand dollars to help those who needed to get the documents they you know you need to train document needed to have false passport and uh, Rabbi Leibel Muchkin, he succeeded in helping 33 families, over three hundred thirty three hundred three hundred people, to uh, take a train. It was it was really hard because <laughs> they were in Lvov. They weren't there legally, uh, with a legal reason to be there. They, weren't, they didn't present themselves to the authorities. And now, in in El-O's, really good news, Rabbi Muchkin said that he he he'd achieved. A breakthrough, they're going to be able to allow uh, 33 families to leave. But suddenly, Label's contact and the government told him that the government is canceling the permission. They're not going to allow them to leave. They know all about these false passports. And they're not going to let them leave. So you can imagine like they spent all this money to get these false passports and now and they're there and they're stuck and they don't know what to do. So they uh, this, this was in the month of Elul. So Chassim described the circumstances of their lives during that Elul. You know, ordinarily, at the end of Elul, we say slichas together, we go to Shor Shoshana, but they told everyone, they said, everyone, don't leave your house, stay in secret, no one should see you. And so there was no minion, everyone just said, till him nonstop, they didn't say slichas, they just said, till him. And, uh, and, they, and and they all the Chassim were told by this committee, stay home, even on Shoshana. And... They they but many Hasidim were individually were thinking can we not go to mikvah Shashanah how can we not go to mikvah? So they ended up meeting in the mikvah and they ended up making making a minion in someone's home. But make long story short, they were really stuck. There were a lot of people there and they didn't know what to do because the government now um um uh, According to Rabbi Leo muchchkin's contact in the government they were the government was aware of of who was who is uh trying to make a false forged passport. so they really didn't know what to do and it was really a question of of life and death because they didn't have uh, they didn't have food and so when um Sukhas had arrived, their situation didn't get much better. Reb Leo Motchkin hey, sent a message to Reb Mendel Kamelson in Prague, and he asked him to present a message to the previous Rebbe, and the message read, the situation cannot continue, all the Hasidim are gathered here, and there are no options of traveling because the Russians know everything, we need divine mercy, we are penniless, Hashem who hears the cry of orphans may he hear our cry and have mercy on all of us soon, what should we do? So everyone's like totally confused, what should we do? They have no way of leaving, they have no way, and they can't stay where they are either. So they're really, really stuck. So 32 people decided to try their luck. They, they, really didn't, have, they didn't have nothing to lose because they were starving. So a train was scheduled for the first days of Sukkot. And they decided that they should travel on Sukkot because their lives were in danger. And when the Hasidim who were leaving left those who were staying, those who were staying felt that these people are literally walking into the hands of the KGB because they had all of the list of all these false passports and they were for sure going to to arrest them. That's what they felt. But Baruch Hashem, this, this group of 33 people Um, 32 people arrived safely, and all the they revived their spirits, and indeed it might be possible to leave Lvov and and to be free and go to Poland. So the committee reconvened after the last day of the holiday of Simchas Torah, and they made a pact between each other. The pact was that until the 19th of Kislev, everyone's going to give everything they have to help each other, to to leave Russia when I say everything they had let me put this in perspective Reb Uziel Chazanov, uh he had already purchased documents for his family he had sold a house right right before this but they had the court that a court of 23 rabbis which is a court that is convened for in time of the base amygdas for matters of capital punishment very serious serious issues so the court had said that everyone should give all the money they have to the central fund. So he had to give all of his money. Rab Avram Arn Rabashkin, who had quite a lot of money, also to give all of his money to, to this fund. There was one um one boy, uh one of the Chazanov boys, who wanted to uh, his mother wanted him to save some money so that she her son should be able to have a winter coat. Ramendel Futafah said, No, you can't have a winter coat. With, with with little money you want to save for a winter coat, because a let it help under Julie leave Russia. So that's how, how serious um, things were and how dangerous things were. So, the time of uh, when Cheshvan came around, there was encouraging news, which was that a group of 57 people had taken the next train. They had crossed the border successfully. Because those people left, the 600 people which were still left in Lvov, were encouraged, but it didn't seem like something that was easy to accomplish. There's a huge difference between trying to smuggle a few dozen people out of Russia and then trying to smuggle a few hundred people out of Russia. They needed to have a large transport to try to take all the chassidim together. And they wanted to ask for a blessing from the previous Rebbe, and they smuggled this message to ask for advice should they try to all go in a transport together, and no blessing re- was received. They sent that message during the holiday season of Tishrei. And episode Jacobson sent to them like listen I can't push the Rebbe. The Rebbe knows exactly what's going on. He hasn't responded during the entire holiday season that year. The previous Rebbe was in a the Khassidim described it as a very and a very serious very removed and uh, and they they would not think of proceeding without a clear blessing from the previous Rebbe. And they were they were stuck, and also an additional problem was it cost so much money to bribe the guards, and they didn't have this money. People took loans, and even after leaving, you know, they need to have basic, they need to provide their basic needs. And it was really, really a, a difficult, difficult time. Finally, in the middle of the month of Cheshvan, the blessing finally came from the previous Rebbe. And around the time that the previous Rebbe's blessing came, the joints. The American Joint Distribution Committee agreed to support the Hasidim who arrived as refugees as soon as they would arrive. So, with these, with the blessing of the previous Rebbe, which probably uh, turned the wheels of the American uh, Joint Distribution Committee, that blessing—I'm uh, saying divine—with you know, with the the divine blessing um, with insurance the assurance of the previous Rebbe. Now, with the commitment of the American Joint uh, Committee, um, they were ready to now have a final resolution, hopefully. So, and after the holiday season was over, Shmuel Shasankin again, who, was, who led this committee, he said it seemed strange, but the officers in Ovir suddenly seemed kindlier. So Ms. Tsipa Kozliner, who was meant to present the documents to Ovir, uh, she, they felt like like the officers are more receptive and there's a chance. But unfortunately, when she arrived at 1 o'clock with 60 passports to Ovir, she was accompanied by Rabbi Chaim Ber-Wolshansky who noticed that there was a police car stationed outside of the office and following her closely. And indeed, they arrested her. And they also shortly arrested after her, they arrested... Mendel and Motel Kozliner, but they expected them to arrest everybody else cuz now they had all the passports they knew who everyone who everyone was but they didn't and, and 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 they don't know why this happened but they had given so many bribes to the so much money to bribe the officials in the immigration agency and then they arrested the all, these three Hasidim and, and they I'm sorry they arrested Mrs. Tipkalzliner Zippa, Kozliner, who didn't leave imprisonment for another year and a half, and the other two, Hassin, uh, the Goreliks, they, um, Menla Gorelik and Mat Kazliner, they, they were also, Hashem, were able to eventually um, leave imprisonment. But what the real problem wasn't their imprisonment, the real problem was what they would do to everybody else. Miraculously, they didn't do anything to anybody else, and instead, uh, they. Berel b- b- much sent another bribe to them and apparently they, e- apparently, either it was some miraculous event or they weren't trying to squeeze them for more money I'm not sure exactly what exactly changed but they again bribed them and again they uh, said that they would uh, let them out and and in- there was no further arrests so Shalom Mendel wrote to Rabbi Saul Jacobson who was in New York tell the previous Sheba that three or four hundred Hasidim are trying to leave Russia with Hashem's help so zero hour was approaching zero hour was the ninth of Kislev and the ninth of Kislev the previous sheba was in America this is the part of the story which I was wanted. this is the highlight of the story which I wanted to share which I think is so relevant all of the Jews uh, in the Ukraine who are now you know trying to escape and trying to save their lives And all of us who are waiting to see the salvation of Hashem for our brothers and sisters and for all the Jewish people, the kind of Mashiach, listen to what happened. The nurse of the previous Rebbe knocks on the door of the previous Rebbe on the 9th of Kislev, the day that these Chasim are meant to leave Russia. He doesn't answer the door. The nurse enters, opens the door, approaches the previous Rebbe. The previous Rebbe does not react at all, she's frightened. Maybe something has happened to the previous Rebbe. He's not reacting. So she went to Rebbe Sinuchamedin, the wife of the previous Rebbe. She went into the room. And she saw that the previous Rebbe is not responsive. And she was frightened. And she called our Rebbe. And our Rebbe went into the previous Rebbe's room. This, by the way, this story, the Rebbe related, when the Rebbe went to France in 1947 to help his mother leave, he related the story. There are a few different versions of the story. What I'm sharing is from the hair magazine, which was related by Rabbi Zalman So Rabbi Zalman Sudakevich said that the Rebbe went over the previous Rebbe, and he heard the previous Rebbe whispering to himself the words the Jewish people said when they crossed the Reed Sea. And so the Rebbe told everyone to calm down this is a spiritual thing this is not a physical thing the previous rebbe apparently is singing the song that you sing that we sang after we crossed the red sea the song of salvation after we left egypt the previous rebbe is is singing that song apparently with faith and as a prayer that those who are stuck in russia should be able to also be able to sing that song so in russia the trains uh, started to move on 9th of Kislev and the the chassidim had to immediately come together to that train and the um, the problem was again they're all coming together hundreds of Hasidim none of them speak Polish and there were 50 families about 200, 240 people the largest group by far that was leaving together and it was great tension and the train began to move and reach the border, and they asked all the men to step outside into the into the freezing cold. They checked their documents, checked the women's documents, and there was a uh, one uh, chassid. This same Reb Zalman Sudekevich. his 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 papers weren't in order, so he had to hide under a big pile of luggage in order to show that this pile of luggage was really luggage, and there was no no one was hiding there. Uh, someone sat on the luggage and it took him a few days to recover after uh, being under the luggage, under someone else on top of the luggage. Anyways, so after several hours of investigation and plenty of bribes that were given to all these guards, the guards at the border came to the conclusion that everyone can go, can go and the train can go forward. Everyone remained absolutely silent as the train inched forward. And then the long-awaited moment. The train crossed the border. All of a sudden, the Hasidim started singing the song that was composed when the alt Rebbe was released from prison. God has redeemed my soul in peace. Back in New York, our Rebbe listened to the previous Rebbe reciting the words of Az Yashir. And after he finished saying it the first time, he started saying it a second time. And suddenly, in the middle of his second recital of Az Yashir, he said... Bora Hashem is Durchegangin. Durchegangen Genuk. Thank God they have passed through. And they have passed through enough. In other words, thank God they've passed through. They've gone into Poland. And they have already Durch, they already suffered enough. They've passed through enough. And several hours later, after the previous Seba had already known this with divine inspiration, a telegram arrived in 770 to the previous Sheba to tell him the good news that the Hasidim had arrived safely in Russia, in uh, Poland. The previous Rebbe then sent an emotional letter to all the Chassidim. The letter goes like this. To those who are dear and beloved to me and close to my heart, the students of my Holy Father, may His merit alongside the merit of all of our Holy Rebbeim hover over you and your families. Blessed is Hashem our God and the God of our forefathers and our teachers who has saved you and your families and has brought you to this day. We all hope that we will be able to very soon Meet with each other, we will all do everything in our power to help you settle down with good parnasa to financial security and schools for the children. May Hashem see our broken and mourning hearts over our beloved brothers and sisters. Those who were were killed, slaughtered, and burned to sat and sanctify God's name. May he avenge their revenge and take us with our righteous Mashiach to our holy land another letter, the previous ever expressed his wish to see to, to pictures of all of the Hasidim. And the Hasidim arrived in Krakow, and it was uh, they gathered together in a large hall on Friday night, and they had a febrengen, and they celebrated with very high spirits, of course, the of Lachayim. And may Hashem help us celebrate, just like they celebrated their, their redemption from Egypt. May Hashem help all those who are suffering now that need to be free. And all of us need to be freed from this exile. We should see Taka the coming Mashiach Zekenu, the Card of Mamish. A good vach, a vach. Any questions, comments? All right, a good (laughs) vach.